0: These aren't my favorite songs. They're not even necessarily the best songs, but rather, my life as a playlist. This week, as I worked on class prep for the start of the fall 2020 semester, the first time doing class prep for a fully online semester, I'm teaching both full-time at Cal State LA and part-time at Pasadena City College. I felt excited and organized. But also, too busy for this week's podcast. For an extra challenge, this is the first time I'm teaching a fully online semester with my incarcerated students at Cal State Prison in Lancaster. I teach at one of the only face-to-face bachelor's degree programs in the entire country inside a men's maximum security prison, with men who mostly have life without parole sentences. This left me without much time for research or storytelling for this week's episode. In an effort to connect with the more than 250 students I'll be teaching this semester, I posted an announcement for every student to respond with a song to include in a study and grading class playlist. My students chose songs by lots of my current favorites, like Harry Styles, Shanae Eiko, Kid Cudi, Post Malone, The Weeknd, Frank Ocean, Healy Williams, and Weezer. A few chose country artists like Chris Stapleton or Christian rock groups like The Modern Post or K-pop artists like BTS. And I was excited to compile this playlist and hear new artists like FKJ, a French singer and multi-instrumentalist who gained notoriety for his fantastic performances at music festivals like Lollapalooza and Coachella. And more, and more a Canadian singer songwriter on his way to becoming an indie star. And I look forward to hearing more of their music as I add to the playlist. I love how music brings all of us together as a community And since we won't be attending concerts anytime soon, or doing fun class activities with Pandora on in the background, the thought of my students and I listening to the same playlist this semester while doing homework, or me listening to them to put me more in tune with my students' energy as I grade, should be really fun. This got me thinking about how certain playlists were prominent at different times in my life. My earliest music memories were of my parents listening to 1980s variety show Solid Gold on Saturday nights in our small apartment in Chicago when I was in preschool. This show focused on the pop hits of any given week, and while the New York Times referred to it as, quote, the pop music show that is its own parody, enacting mini-dramas of covetousness, lust, and aerobic toning, routines that typically have a minimal connection with the songs that back them up, end quote. It was my first favorite show, and I'd watch it and dance around the living room. A year or so later, I remember listening to Top 40 in the car. My mom would have the radio on in our small apartment in Pittsburgh and blast the Pointer Sisters or Tina Turner while she cleaned on Sundays and prepared for the week ahead. Or, if she was in a more mellow mood, would listen to James Taylor or Neil Diamond. Occasionally, when my father wasn't around, she'd listen to pop country like Kenny Rogers and Dolly Parton, which he despised. He was more of a jazz and blues man, and he played Django Reinhardt and Thelonious Monk on the record player, but sometimes he'd still listen to Top 40 in the car. He drove us to daycare in the mornings during the summer, because my parents both worked. And I remember the first time I heard Maneater when I was six years old, jamming out, singing the lyrics, although I had no idea what they meant. Our babysitter's name was Debbie. She had the silkiest long black hair that fell below her waist. She loved when I brushed it. So, while the other half-dozen kids or so in her care would run around the house or backyard and play, I'd sit on the couch and brush it for hours while she chain-smoked camels, and we'd watch MTV. I was fascinated, and it was here where a world of music was opened up to me, from Michael Jackson's Beat It, to Billy Idol's Money Moni, to Men at Works, Who Can It Be Now?, to Patti Smythe's Goodbye to You, which must have had a budget of $5. But when she danced around in that red dress and sang with so much passion, with she and the band playing in front of a white wall, with the only production being splash lighting and occasional freeze-frames on their faces, I sat transfixed. Despite Debbie's chain-smoking and there being too many kids in her care some days and not much in the way of food, I didn't care. I'd ask my dad every day, Are we going to Debbie's tomorrow? Because brushing her hair calmed my already-developing childhood anxiety and, and watching MTV all day was a window into an exciting new universe. <laughs> Once the mid-80s hit, my parents had outgrown Top 40 stations, or got too old for them, I guess, and so we listened to 3WS, Pittsburgh's 60s and 70s oldies station. The station tended to play the same 50 songs on repeat, Or, at least it felt like they did, so I became very familiar with artists like Leslie Gore, The Foundation, Smokey Robinson, and Chicago. The only other music I had access to were the few records my parents owned, so outside of my dad's jazz and blues collection, I ended up listening to Billy Joel and Elton John and Journey and this greatest hits of 1978 compilation, I don't have any idea where that came from. I did have a Walkman, but it didn't work very well, and I only had a few cassettes. So oldies it was for me for most of the mid to late 80s. As we headed for the 90s living in Pittsburgh, my brother Alex and I listened to the Top 8 at 8 on B94 on a radio in his room. We'd write down each song as it played, guessing which songs would play next, and then as soon as the number one song for the evening came on, would frantically dial into the radio station hoping to win that evening's prize. After trying hundreds of times, I finally got through and got to announce the top eight on the air, in order, and won two concert tickets to the B-52s, which I ended up selling for $45. As an eighth grader in the late 80s, this was like two entire weekends of babysitting money. Within a year, the B-52s became one of my favorite bands and I regretted selling those tickets, as the $45 was long gone and I didn't have the amazing concert memories. The first concert I ever did end up attending was Neil Diamond's when I was 15 years old, with my good friend Elisa and my mom. Elisa was the awesome type of friend who didn't mind that I was only allowed to attend concerts with my mom there, and although we had cheap seats with thousands of people in between Neil and his guitar and us, he was a captivating performer who made me feel he was singing and playing Song Sung Blue, Sweet Caroline, and Heartlight just for me. My brother ended up naming his daughter Caroline many years later. Anyway, I digress. The early 90s was the golden age of hip-hop, so my most popular playlist in high school was one that included a lot of Too Short. I once got busted by a nun in the library freshman year for cutting class to listen to Too Short on my Walkman. I also listened to a lot of Tupac, A Tribe Called Quest, Dickable Planets, and TLC. I can't really say that these were songs I did my homework to, though, as by that time in high school, I was cutting entire days of school, not just classes. And these songs were the soundtrack to our Friday and Saturday night drunken house parties in Lawrenceville, neighborhood in Pittsburgh. These were the type of all-nighters we'd pull, and I'd lie and tell my parents I was staying at a girlfriend's house and I'd eventually crash on the floor the house party for a few hours in the early morning, and then take the bus downtown and stop into Subway for a sandwich before taking the incline back up to Mount Washington, arriving home, and having to pretend I was functional for Sunday church and family dinner. When I moved out of my home at 17 years old with my 23-year-old boyfriend into a different party house with his friends, the hip-hop era was over, well, at least mine was, and I found myself surrounded by guys who listened to Pantera, Black Sabbath, Sepultura, Godsmack, and Slipknot. I didn't drive, so also didn't have much say over the radio when we were out on his motorcycle or cruising around in our black 67 Chevelle or 73 Baby Blue Impala, a car that invited us to play more classic rock choices like Crosby, Stills, Nash & Young, or Jethro Tull. But either way, for a few years, I was pretty disconnected from Top 40 once again. When I finally ended that relationship, it was right around the time I also got promoted at work, to a position where I had my own computer and for the first time ever had internet access and could play my own music. It was the late 90s, and the job was at Federated Investors, a mutual funds company where I worked as a client service rep. The job itself was pretty boring, but I had full-time hours and benefits, with only a high school diploma under my belt. Times have certainly changed. And so, I jammed out all day to Mariah Carey and Aaliyah, must have played her Butterfly album, Mariah Carey's, Thousands of times. And I absolutely adored girl groups like the Spice Girls, 702, Black, and Destiny's Child. Just like my mom cleaned the house to the Pointer Sisters Jump, I cleaned it to Destiny's Child Jumpin' Jumpin'. As a single mom of a preschooler and a toddler, working 40 hours a week while trying to maintain a 100 year old house with heating and plumbing issues, when I blasted the CD player too. Ladies, leave your man at home. The club is full of ballers and their pockets full-grown. And all you fellas, leave your girl with her friends, cause it's 11.30 and the club is jumpin' jumpin'. I could transport myself to another world, where I wasn't a 23-year-old young woman with frizzy hair and bad teeth, scrubbing day-old dishes, or picking up the same toys from the floor I'd picked up 12 times that day already, but a goddess dancing in the club, admired by all the hot guys, and deciding who I wanted to take me home. Within a year, I met that hot guy on an online forum. By hot, I mean artistic, brilliant, pretty damn cute too, with a sarcastic dry wit that rivaled mine. And I allowed him to take me and my two kids home, 2,500 miles away, to Glendale, California, where I started a new life. My early 2000s life. And I'll tell you the story of the next 20 years, next week. In the meantime, I'd like to build a Life as a Playlist listeners playlist and feature some of your songs on next week's episode. So, which song defines a moment in your life? Have a new or lesser-known artist you'd like to introduce to us all? Or an underrated favorite song we should all add to our playlists? Or maybe a forgotten hidden gem? Follow me at Life is a Playlist on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Or email me at lifeisaplaylist at gmail.com. I'm also going to post my Fall 2020 student playlist As I mentioned in the beginning of the episode, there are several great up-and-coming artists and lots of great songs to work or write or clean the house to. So I hope you'll check them out and let me know which ones are your favorites. Until next week. What do you love about music? To begin with, everything.